Welcome to Tune In YRDSB, inspiring learning through storytelling. Well, hello everyone, and welcome to episode 5 of Tune In YRDSB. My name is Cecil Roach. I am Superintendent of Education, Indigenous Education and Equity here at the York Region District School Board. Our guest today is none other than the Director of Education for the York Region District School Board, Louise Sirisco. Welcome, Louise. Thank you, Cecil. Louise, uh, in equity work, it's important to acknowledge the mistake we have made in the past. As I noted in our first episode, sometimes we've gotten it wrong. How can we maintain a positive trajectory in our equity work and avoid pitfalls? Oh, what a great question. Um, you know, Cecil, I think that getting into a pitfall or making a mistake is still a learning opportunity. Um, and uh, the work that we're doing, uh, we will make pitfalls. Uh, we will be in pitfalls. It's making sure that the pitfalls aren't repeated and that we're learning from uh, the lesson. So taking the time to deconstruct what happened, uh, to acknowledge what happened, and to put practices in place to make sure that our practice is, is stronger. Um, and I think a signal that uh, we are getting stronger in our practice is actually having a habit of um, having that reflective time with partners um, but also having more successes than, than pitfalls. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, although I'm acknowledging that uh, uh, making mistakes are part of our learning journey, we want, we want more wins than failures. Thank you, Louise. And that's actually um, a good segue into my next question. I know it's probably seemed like a bit of a whirlwind, but it's been just over two years that you've been with us. You've joined us from the Ministry of Education, um, from the Ontario Ministry of Education. What were some of your equity goals when you joined the YRDSB? Yeah, thanks. You know what? I can't believe it. Two years. Uh, it is like a whirlwind. I, I feel like I've been here for 20 years. And at the same time, it feels like I just got here. There is so much uh, more work that we need to do. Um, uh, part of, you know, when I, when I assumed the leadership of YRDSB, um, I knew that there was a long journey ahead um, of making sure that the relationships that we have with our community partners uh, is strengthened and that is and continues to be uh, an important goal that that I hold and I think that we have made uh, really good progress in that in that regard um, as well uh, another goal that I have been working on uh, uh, together with the senior leadership team in our broader community is to be very uh, clear in our articulated focus that equity is about everything that we do. Um, you know, I really think that in education, uh, in my career, in your career too, I'm mm -hmm. sure, Cecil, you know, we saw, we saw the years where there was intense focus on improving the achievement of Ontario students. I really believe that now we are seeing a refinement of that approach. Um, uh, certainly here in YRDSB, but across the province to know that it's not okay just to say that we are uh, dedicated to improving the outcomes of students. We need to be saying we are paying attention 
to the students who are not achieving, who are reporting to us that they need our support. Um, and that articulation was a goal of mine coming in to really be bringing back up to the surface uh, the YRDSB history of focusing on equity and our marginalized learners. And I, I think that we've achieved that. We have a lot more work to do to actualizing the goals uh, for each of our marginalized uh, student groups. You've actually um, begun to answer you know, my next question uh, because often we hear, well, okay, um, we, we've done this. What has been the impact? Um, you know, how are we achieve? How do we know we're achieving these goals? How do you think we are doing in terms of some of the goals that you've you've established? I um, I think that we're at the beginning of being able to answer that question of how we are going to be able to measure um, through. I think the first year that uh, I was here, our trustees engaged in a broad, broad consultation uh, process where they uh, uh, welcomed and listened very intently to our communities. Uh, they developed a multi-year strategic plan with our four priorities and we are engaging in uh, the refinement of the director's action plan and of course you know that one of our priority areas and goals is connected very uh, concretely to, uh, to equity. Education uh, historically and we are part of part of uh, my next statement is that we haven't been traditionally really strong at measuring our outcomes within the district. You know, we, we know provincially there have been measures of EQA and so on. Um, but how do we ref really, really know uh, with current in-year data um, to know whether we are supporting students in their sense of mattering and belonging or reducing ex uh, episodes of discrimination and, and hate? And it is that precise uh, kind of measurement connected to our goals uh, that we are focused on now and developing what we're calling a monitoring and evaluation plan and working alongside our research and assessment department. Um, you know, part of that is the Every Student Count survey mm -hmm. that uh, we're in the midst right now of disaggregating uh, data based on, on race and, and identity. Uh, but we are wanting to refine our goals uh, for our district and be asking ourselves what are the look-fors and the actual measures uh, through the use of data that we're going to be able to report back to schools and to leaders who are really wanting to know that their actions at the school site are making a difference. All of our leaders are so very dedicated uh, to be supporting students and their learning, particularly our underserved and under, uh, underserved. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so uh, more to come on this and I'll, I'll be uh, really excited to be sharing it with you. Okay. Um, now during the month of February, um, I mean, we engaged in what I'm going to call a narrative-changing focus on black excellence. Um, and I do have to offer kudos to the board for this, um, and, you know, to us because I am a part of the board. Um, are there particular stories that you, you, you know, may not have shared that you particularly enjoyed? Yeah, thanks. You know, uh, and you are central to this work, yeah. Cecil, and uh, your, your experience, your... Um, your ability to reach out to the Twitter, Twitter sphere to be uh, celebrating black excellence is part of the reason why that our focus is here on black history, uh, I think was as successful as it is. We uh, made a commitment that 
the rising up and the focus of black excellence was going to be a theme uh, for us for this year. And we're really wanting to be responsive to our community to be saying black, black history is every day um, and celebrating black excellence uh, needs to be every day. Uh, so it was a really intentional work team, uh, of course, that you were a part, but our communication team were central to that and, and kudos uh, to them. Um, and if uh, part of the audience were following us on Twitter, they saw every single day we were focusing on a student, an alumni that exemplified um, uh, black excellence. There were a couple of stories actually that were outside this that I thought, oh, how amazing. These are our students and their, their achievements uh, blew me away. And um, it is just such an opportune time to be celebrating them. So thank you for asking this question. I would point at Hannah Flores uh, from Markham District High School who appeared on Here and Now um, and uh, showcased her incredible talent at writing and performing uh, a slam po poem. And, you know, Cecil, that track, tracks back to you and uh, how you've been lifting uh, slam poetry as a means by which to uh, reflect on identity and reflect on feelings and communicating uh, that. So uh, what an outstanding, outstanding performance and, and student. The other student that uh, we need to celebrate, we didn't necessarily focus on on him during our um, our intentional uh, work during Black History, but a student from Romeo Dallaire Public School named Lincoln Haggart Ives. Lincoln is such a talent. He has been learning piano and violin from a very, very young age. And his mom submitted his talent for an international competition he was selected and he is going to be playing in Carnegie Hall in New York City. We recently celebrated him with an applause awards in the boardroom and we cannot wait to have him back to play for us. He is a treasure. Well, I mean, I think you're right. Um, black excellence certainly is, you know, scattered throughout our region, um, both in our students, our community members, uh, and certainly in our graduates as well. Um, one, our mission and values urge us to continue our equity work. However, so does our responsibility um, to educators or as educators. How can a teacher, an administrator, or other staff member who doesn't have the lived experiences of being a member of the black community help to affirm the identities of black students and make sure they have resources they need to be successful? Yeah. Um, I, I am a white woman. Uh, Cecil, uh, whose work in equity uh, predominantly was in the world of special education. So I, um, I learned early on in my career as a, as a young teacher um, the lived experience of, of students with special education needs and uh, the level of barriers and oppression that they experience. Um, and that's where I gained my entry into understanding uh, about equity. But as, as we know, equity uh, spans uh, many different definitions of identity. Um, it uh, compounds itself when uh, barriers exacerbate based on the, the uh, increased overlay of, of identity 
um, uh, components, whether a person identifies as uh, LGBTQ, if they happen to be black, if they happen to also have a learning disability, and all of those uh, different uh, layers of uh, oppression that exist for that individual. Um, each of us who is an educator went to teacher's college and we were, were trained in supporting students and their profiles. Um, you know, when I went into teacher's college, talking about equity and intersectionality of identity was not part of our training. Um, and I think that in 2020, um, we need to be making sure that, that that learning is occurring in, in teacher's college, but more importantly, as a district, we are reinforcing that and underscoring for all of us as professionals that we have to uh, feel very deeply and understand the importance of developing our equity understanding. It is a personal responsibility and a commitment that we made when we got our teaching uh, degree. And that means to continue our professional learning that we take responsibility for. Uh, so whether it's uh, to engage in courses, uh, whether it's to reflect uh, daily on your understanding of, of equity um, and the, uh, its different, uh, if, it, if it's different tenets of learning and curriculum, and to self-assess where you are in your journey. I'm nowhere near where I want to be and where I think I have a duty to be, but I'm actively making sure that I'm engaging in professional learning. And uh, my, my ask is for every one member of our learning community, our educators, our professional staff, um, our managers, um, our employee group to be actively engaging in learning. Um, if, you're, if you're not sure what to read or who to read, there are, there are many, many people that can guide you, um, but we all have a duty to, um, to make sure that we understand what anti-oppression means, uh, what anti-black racism is defined as, um, our different uh, students and their identities, and to be in touch with the data that they're giving to us uh, through our surveys and uh, community at large, what we know. Um, the, the cry mm -hmm. for reducing stigma, the cry for um, achieving equitable outcomes is very, very real. Uh, people may not know what they don't know. Mm -hmm. And I think that our job is to, and what we've been doing, is to raise the alarm to say, pay attention to this. Mm -hmm. uh, this is a very, very real achievement gap and a success gap that we need to be paying attention to, and we all need to learn about how to do that. So thank you for that. One of the things that I always say, I mean, I do have confidence that teachers understand that it's important that, you know, all students have what I call identity-affirming experiences in schools. And, um, you know, I, I think we're on our way to, you know, to, to seeing this um, more with, 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 our, with our, our, our staff, all our staff, not just our teachers. Um, but occasionally, and I know as director, you get the question as to why is it important to lift up our black students in particular? Why, why is it important to have this laser-like focus on um, the achievement and well-being of our black students? Um, Clayton and I explained earlier that the notion of what's necessary for some is, is good for all. Um, and this is referenced in episode one and episode two of this podcast series. 
Can you speak to how this approach works from the director's perspective? Yeah, thank you for the question. So, uh, and what a great opportunity to speak to our, our audience who are tuning into our podcasts. Uh, you know, when we engage in equity work, and particularly the approach that we're taking in YRDSB to say that our our goals are focused on our underserved and underperforming, uh, and even more intentionally, we're paying attention to students who identify as Black and and students who are identifying as Indigenous. Why? Um, and uh, oftentimes, we'll get the question: Well, what about what about this other group? Uh, are are we not paying attention? Uh, to to this other group and doesn't equity mean that we need to be focusing on uh, all identities and I want to reassure um, all of our community that of course every student matters uh, the success of every student matters their sense of well-being their reporting of um, uh, whether they feel the classroom is as a place of safety and whether their identity is uplifted but we need to know that there are two identity groups uh, that uh, predictably, by looking at other data, we haven't got our every student counts disaggregated yet um, to, the, to the level that we want to, but we don't need to go that far to know what other data sets and indeed some of our early data is indicating that our students who are Indigenous and our students who are Black are, are asking us for help uh, because they are feeling that they are, are marginalized and that their identity isn't reflected in uh, our classrooms. Why is that important? Uh, because if we do not affirm a child's identity through curriculum, through teaching, they are at great risk of not reaching their personal potential. And our job is to dedicate ourselves to making sure that every child succeeds. Um, also, it's important to know that in equity work and, and when you're, you're lifting up the human rights of individuals, it is absolutely uh, not just acceptable to be focusing on a particular identity, it is advisable uh, because it's a differentiated approach uh, to making sure that you are meeting the needs of all of all of your of all of your learners. So as a director, um, uh, you know, I think I think about planning across the tiers of the work that we do. So some of our students, uh, the work that we do is absolutely necessary for them. So we need to be paying attention to raising up the identity of our indigenous and our black students. And in so doing, uh, we're teaching and reinforcing to our educators uh, that we need to be paying attention to the texts that we select. And we're uh, making sure that those texts are uh, culturally responsive, that they are reflective of student identity. And that, that practice of critically analyzing what and through what we are teaching is a skill and an expectation that is going to be good for all students um, that are at uh, 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 tier one, uh, I'll say, that just that, that practice of being uh, critically engaging in how and what we teach. Uh, necessary for, for our few uh, students with a particular identity, but the practice of engaging in critically responsive and relevant pedagogy is going to benefit uh, all students. So, I mean, you know we have, you know, over 125,000 students in our schools, and they also have an important role to play here. What do you, how do you think students can help um, us with our work of ensuring that 
students' identities are affirmed in, in, in schools. What, 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 do you, what do you think students can do in this regard? I think that elevating student voice is going to be um, a continued focus for us uh, because they are so very wise and uh, give it straight to us. Uh, when we are not meeting their needs, when we are not uh, making sure that what is happening in that classroom is relevant and engaging, um, they, they have a lot to say, but we need to be providing them opportunities to speak and to communicate. And more importantly, when they do and how they do, uh, we need to be engaging in that reflection and uh, making sure that we have interventions uh, at the ready and, and uh, making sure that we are meeting their needs. So an example uh, would be attendance. Uh, attendance reports. Uh, students who are not attending school, we need to be critically analyzing why. Uh, why uh, does that, does it mean that we have students who are disengaged? And what does that mean for our practice in making sure that we are engaging students? And, and does that have to do with how we are supporting their identity and reflection in, in the how and the what uh, that we teach. Um, additionally, certainly our, our survey reports um, are going to be data points because we're actively asking students, do you have, as one example in the question, do you have an adult in your school to whom you feel you can turn to and report concerns? Do you feel uh, there are adults in your building that care about you? Um, and once we know what that data is telling us and the identities of our students, uh, it is absolutely incumbent upon us to be changing our practices and refining our practices to watch that, uh, watch that data point increase and soar uh, so that all students feel that uh, they cannot wait to come into school uh, because their learning is not only going to affirm who they are, uh, who they want to be uh, come, uh, but also giving them the tools and the learning opportunities to meet their full potential. Thanks for that. I mean, I, I know, look, our core business is student achievement and well-being. And um, we, we also know that, you know, when the doors of our buildings swing open every morning, the students who enter um, must feel that they can bring their total selves to, to, to the learning, um, that their social identities are respected and that they feel welcome, that they, they feel included. Um, you know, and, and I, you know, this, if, if we may go back a little bit to talk about this notion of focusing on black excellence uh, and focusing on excellence in general, I, I think, you know, it, it's, it's, it was an incredible, uh, as I said before, counter-narrative um, because black students are more than disproportionality and disparity, right? You know, as, as, as we've shown this month, there are many folks, you know, among our, our students, our community, our staff, who are doing incredible things, uh, have achieved incredible things. And I, I think it's important that, that, that we focus on that. And, and I'm hoping that we'll continue to focus on black excellence. Uh, is, is that part of the plan, to continue that focus? Absolutely. And also to be uh, talking openly uh, about bias and where, where our bias comes from. Uh, the sources of that bias and the focus of black excellence is to try and counter uh, the, the, the bias that uh, has been ingrained uh, in society and in each of us 
uh, from from a very very young age. Uh, stereotypes are created uh, through media, uh, through uh, through what was presented to us as learning material uh, when we went to school, and that has um, uh, put in in our our brains an automatic. Uh, reflex Mm -hmm. of uh, when we experience uh, communication from a student and that bias without being made consciously aware can be affecting our decisions and our interaction with that student and that family. Mm -hmm. So the focus of black excellence is to try and eradicate um, uh, those stereotypes mm-hmm. and that, that dangerous uh, unconscious bias. Mm-hmm. We want to make it conscious so that we are able to um, uh, be supporting students and their families uh, when, when there is expression of need. Thank you. I mean, I think as I said in the first episode of this podcast, um, we, look, we look forward to having to continue the conversation. Um, and actually, I want to thank you for being here uh, with me today. Um, this concludes episode five of Tune In YRDSB. And, you know, Louise, um, thank you so much for, for taking the time to, you know, to chat with us and chat with our audience. And we'll see you next time. Thank you, Cecil. And thank you to the audience for listening on our podcast. So appreciated. Thank you for joining us for Tune In YRDSB. Please join us next time to continue the conversation.